Welcome to Walking with Freya, a journey through special needs parenting. This podcast is a place for parents and caregivers of children with special needs to share stories, the very real struggles and challenges we face, along with the inevitable love and joy these children have brought into our lives. This is a place for unapologetic honesty, well-intentioned laughter, and endless support. A safe place for us to learn, share, discuss, and help each other navigate this often unexpected journey. Be kind, be supportive, and when you can, keep the humor. My name is Annie, and welcome to Walking with Freya. So Katie and Steve's special needs journey began when their first baby had to be airlifted to another country shortly after birth because of a stroke in utero. Seventeen years and four more children later, one with the diagnosis of DUP15Q, they are now vocal advocates and support in the special needs community. Their new podcast, Family Success Secrets, has recently launched. This podcast is a spinoff from their original podcast, Generationally Minded, which was specifically for the special needs community. Family Success Secrets, however, is a place for all families to learn, grow, and be supported. They spoke with me about their experiences as a special needs family, their son's diagnosis, how they built their team, how to be an advocate for your child, and the need to find creative solutions for our children. We also discussed their new podcast, of course, and the intention behind it, and what they hope comes from it. You can find more about Katie and Steve's podcast at podcast.familysuccesssecrets.com, and you can go there for updates about their episodes. You can also join their Facebook page at Family Success Secrets and follow them on Instagram under, you guessed it, Family Success Secrets. You can find these links in the show notes. So I'm going to leave this here. I know that I usually ramble on for a bit, but I have quite a few episodes coming out soon, so there will be plenty of time to talk. One thing I will say is that Freya and I are speaking to her class on Monday about Prader-Willi syndrome and how it affects her. So this is our step towards helping Freya stay safe at school and also providing education and understanding as a way to honor full and genuine inclusion and immersion. And I will certainly let you all know how it goes. But for now, I will get out of the way so you can all sit back and enjoy this lovely conversation with Katie and Steve from the podcast, Family Success Secrets. Steve and I have been married for 20 years and um, our, you know, previous lives were ones of wonder and great easy childhoods and um I grew up traveling around the world as a military kid Steve lived in the same town and knew everybody which he loved and um we just thought life was going to be full of sunshine and lollipops once we started our family <laughs> and uh we had been stationed overseas um so we were living in Italy when we decided to start our family and that was just about 17 years ago that our first child was born um, And the night that he was born was the night that our lives completely changed. So Mm -hmm. So there we were, we were in Sicily and I was supposed to deploy within two days uh, outside of Europe to, to a different continent. And um, our son was born and the next morning he 
began to have seizures and the team there at the hospital, small hospital there in Sicily, the Navy hospital said, uh, we can't manage this here. And so they called for a medical evacuation. And so special team from Germany flew down in this small little jet and took him. And thankfully Katie was able to squeeze into the to the plane. Yeah, they hadn't um, planned on me. <laughs> yeah, but they were one person short in their in their team. And so they said, Yeah, mom, come on, jump in and oh, you, nice. can, you can go. So mm-hmm. she was able to fly up to Germany with them. I, on the other hand, um did not. And so I basically went and told everybody, hey, uh, this just happened. I don't know what to do about this deployment. And they said, uh, we'll get you up there to be with your family. Yeah, he was we'll find somebody else to substitute for you. Uh, to take your team on the deployment Mm -hmm. and uh, we'll figure things out later. So that was super cool. And uh, I called a commercial flight that uh, took longer than it should have. I ended up having to spend the night in an international airport, just me and the cleaning crew that night. Uh, (laughs) And uh, the next day I called up. So she had been up there for a good 24 hours or more uh, with our son by the time I made it up there. And in the course of uh, the next week, we were able to uh, discover through an MRI that he'd had a, a stroke in most likely in utero, and that was what was causing the seizures. And so after we were there for some time, they said, okay, you guys are safe. You're stable. You can go back to Sicily, but we don't think that it's safe for you to be there and then have to fly up here anytime that there's a, a similar type of emergency. So we're going to recommend that you be sent home to the States uh, so you could be near a proper treatment facility full-time. And so our, our time there in Sicily was cut short and we ended up coming back to the U.S. about two months later. Within two months, we were back to the U.S. Hmm. Yeah, so he wasn't supposed to be home. So um, the night that that all happened, I remember climbing onto this little Learjet and um with my one backpack of whatever my mom and Steve could quickly throw into a bag. I was less than a day out from having given birth the first time. And wow. yeah, 29 hours of labor. I was not in good shape. And, um, and I thought I would, I didn't know when I was going to see Steve again, because he was supposed to be leaving the next day for at least six months. Um, so that was a really challenging awakening into, um, a different kind of motherhood and life that I'm, than I expected, but it was also the beginning of, um, in some ways, a really rich journey. It really doesn't sound like that would be logical, but it really changed our lives, but it wasn't all bad. Yeah. So that was the start of it. And uh, I'll, I'll fast forward to today, and then we can fill in the gaps as, as you see fit. So mm-hmm. today we're retired from the Navy and have been for almost seven years now. We have, we have five children. Uh, the son who we told you about first is doing great and for all intents and purposes is completely healed and um, was in good shape by the time he was in by the time he was six months he was already off of medications uh, anti uh, seizure type medications and so he was pretty much good from that point on uh, but afterwards uh, two of our five children were discovered to have different um, special needs, uh, one being far more severe than, than any of the stuff we've talked about thus far. So two of our five kids um, 
have have special needs problems now and um you know, various things totally uh non-inherited it's kind of stuff where a geneticist would say man if you guys played the lottery you'd probably win because what are the chances uh, <laughs> so not the kind of complimentary sort of right. uh, probabilities that you would, would want to hear about but you know that's that's what we have and so there we are uh so nowadays we're we're here we've we've been home uh been home teleworking almost uh well 11 months now and uh, so that actually has been pretty cool uh to be able to do that and so we're all here and everyone for the most part is in good shape um as it comes to uh you know the pandemic and stuff like that we've we've been very very fortunate everything's been very good here so that's perhaps a short version of of uh of our story leaves out a lot of details but that's okay good. <laughs> yeah well like you say you can fill them in whenever uh you feel inspired so katie you had you had told me about your son who who's almost eight um yes. and i did not realize that you had other children with um, special needs. So I I know that your eight-year-old son has something that is presents very similar to Prader-Willi syndrome, which is what my Freya has. Yeah. So is that like with the behavior stuff or the eating? So ironically, when uh, we had gotten the genetic test done for our son, our pediatrician called and erroneously told us that it was. Prater Willie, and that's what uh, the diagnosis was. Now we were we were uh, far away from. We had to go up to a military hospital uh, to see a geneticist, so we weren't local to that. So that's why we got the news over the phone. And she said it's it's Prater Willie, and um, we didn't know anything about that at the time. And uh, and then almost immediately the geneticist called back and corrected and said no no no. That's not what it was. It, it's not that. It's very close to that in in the uh, in in the uh, DNA, but it's a duplication 15Q, which is something totally different. But, but very um, similar. Yeah, it is. It is in a sense similar to that, and a couple other things Katie mm-hmm. can tell you about. Often, um, the dupe 15Q alliance, the folks with Angelman's, um, their group, and the Prater Willie folks. <clears throat> excuse me, we'll all work together because all of our children have something so similar even and in so close, you know, in the genetic regions that a lot of the research that's being done actually benefits each of our groups. So nice. there's a lot of, yeah, a lot of uh, working together there. Mm-hmm. Now, is, is it uh, a common, I mean, is it, I mean, I know, well, like Prader-Willi syndrome is one in 12,000 to 15,000, they say, um, do you, is this, the um dupe i'm sorry what did you call it yeah. dupe 15q duplication 15q dupe it's 15 very Q. It's very okay. rare it was only discovered in 2006 um of course now as genetics are advancing you know more and more is being discovered about it and more and more people are be- being discovered to have it but it is still very rare mm-hmm. <clears throat> and not inherited so they can't quite figure out what causes it because they don't know mm-hmm Right. Well, that's the same. Yeah. The, um, I remember them explaining to me about PWS that it's this, uh, kind of this random thing that just happens and they don't mm-hmm. really know why it happens, which, you know, for me, like I, 
you, you know, I think when you get a, a diagnosis um, or when you know that something is is kind of uh, not typical, you go through all the things in your head. I know I did. I went back to all the moments of when I was pregnant, you know, that before I knew I was pregnant, you know, and I painted the room, you know, I was like, oh, was it that, you know, <laughs> for me, I just went back to all these things. I was like, well, what did I do? And then to find out that it's just, it's not something that you do. It just, it happens. It's nature. It's biology. It just does things like this sometimes. Yeah. I think DNA is so complicated that it's probably a miracle. All of us don't have something very, very different about us, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and that was something else that you said that he has like a floating piece of DNA, which I found very interesting. I don't know that I've ever heard of that. That's probably yeah. not very common either, right? No, it's not. And um, there's a lot of work being done right now in um, certain research circles to figure out how to eliminate DNA pieces that are problematic. And um, and I don't know a lot about it and I don't know a lot of the details, but there is a specific tool they call CRISPR. And somehow it's been pulled from... Mm-hmm bacteria. And they are trying to figure out how to eliminate those floating pieces and those extra pieces that are duplicated. Um, There's not been success yet, but of course they continue. Um, The problem is really just the funding and um, being able to keep these scientists fed (laughs) so that Uh they can continue to do their work. So that's unfortunate, but they are pressing on. Mm -hmm. Good. When you got the the diagnosis, um, did you reach out to the PWS community? Did you did they direct you to to that community since they are so similar? Have you found support there? Um, because we have the Dupe Fifteen Q Alliance, we were able to find them not through our geneticists. Um, surprisingly, our geneticists, I guess, because we were fairly early on um, with the discovery of Dupe Fifteen Q to begin with, and then military. You know, they're just doing what they can, but genetics. They, they have a few specialists. Um, I don't know how much research time they have. So they didn't know about the Duke 15Q Alliance. They didn't know about the Prater Willie Foundation or uh, the Angelman's folks. So we had to stumble upon that ourselves. But um, I did begin to read on the website. And um, for me, what I discovered was that I actually had a really hard time as I would delve deeply into a lot of the research and a lot of the videos and a lot of what was there, I had to do it in small bites because um, sometimes it would emotionally cripple me Mm. so that I couldn't be the best for him every day. And what we ended up doing was that I was blessed to have a mom who's interested in helping and learning. And so she actually took over a lot of that specific research for us so that I could really focus on the therapeutic side of getting him well, focus on epilepsy, focus on, you know, the pieces that were impacting us in a really kind of crisis way every day. And she was doing a lot more of the research where, you know, I might stumble over something that really took my breath away. And, um, would tell me the important parts <laughs> mm-hmm. and then say, you need to read this research and that research. And then periodically when I felt strong enough, of course, I would go back in there, but um, yeah, I know everyone's different. Some people really thrive on research and I do in certain aspects, but um, for me, I have to just really temper it and be careful so that I don't cripple myself. <laughs> I, I don't think you're alone in that at all. I think that's a very common experience and what an amazing mom to help you out. Like that, yeah. I um, I I was talking with a friend recently about how blessed I feel that I that we're able 
for me to to do so much research and to to fight so hard for Frey and I have the time and the experience and that I you know I, we were sitting around a campfire drinking wine and stuff and so I was like I want to start a nonprofit that you know I don't know I don't know how or what but I want it to I want to provide that and that sounds like exactly what I was talking about having somebody to go through all of the research for you and and be able to sort through it and give you what's important so that you can focus on your son and and not be so like you said you know kind of uh I'm not sure if you said emotionally crippled, but that's what comes up for me because I know, I know that feeling. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's amazing. Yes. That's that's really great that you had that. It really allowed me to focus on, like I mentioned, the therapies. And um, I was really thankful because we were able to find a institute that has worked for decades with children who have sort of neurodevelopmental problems, you know, things that maybe weren't structured right at birth or became a problem through traumatic head injury later, or, you know, all forms of different brain injury. And oftentimes, you know, when the brain isn't structured the same in the womb, that can be considered a brain injury because it's not typical. And we were able to begin working with them in an intensive treatment program. Um, They trained us to do everything at home. So every six months we would go for a week and we would receive intensive training and appointments with him. Now they actually do this online, which is amazing and a miracle because of COVID. But um, so we implemented that program for almost three years with him and he made striking progress. And um, thankfully I didn't lack in the research area because of my mom and her willingness. And I think um, your idea of a nonprofit to do that is brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And I really hope you can can do that because I think you would bless so many parents. Um, but we were able to then, like I said, turn and really put our time and energy and effort and focus into the daily life stuff and making progress there. Mm-hmm. So it sounds like you have a really great support system. We do. I have quite a few friends um, in the local area that, you know, if I really needed them, they would be here for me. People who check in periodically. Um, ask what we need, you know, would drop off groceries, especially during the beginning of the pandemic, because that was really helpful. Yeah. Because uh, Levi is also very prone to really intense seizures. If he's battling anything out of the norm. So even the smallest cold can Mm. put him into a really, really bad, you know, week or two weeks or more of really intense seizures that are dangerous. So it was really a blessing. Um, you know, and yes, we've had my folks here for the last number of years. Um, we won't have them Uh, very shortly in the future, they're relocating. But, um, you know, it's been really wonderful to have that. And then we built our team, like our team around us of the people at the institutes, for example, Um, the Institutes for the Achievement of Human Potential is a staff that's small, but very dedicated. And they would check up on us and have us send reports every couple months and connect us with the doctors we needed to talk to. And then, um, you know, we always look at all the medical staff that we take into our team as they are members of our team. Not, you know, most doctors, not most doctors, that's not fair to say, but many have the idea that um, they're the expert on our child and they should be the ones to tell us what to do. And unfortunately we have found that that hasn't been a method that works well for his progress. So we look at it backwards and not all practitioners care for that, but we view it as though we are interviewing a medical professional to take on board to our team and that we are the experts on our son and we bring them in our team to be consulting for us. And we have found many practitioners that really are willing to work that way with us and others that won't. 
And um, so the team that we have, we do feel supported by. And that is not uncommon. I mean, that's just human nature, right? Um, to find folks who have uh, their opinion of, of um, what is, uh, I'm struggling for the word here, but uh, who's, who's, who's right in, in every single instance. Uh, so we have had to work very hard to piece together a, a group of folks who, who get the fact that we're with the child 24 hours a day you will see him for three hours out of the year. So mm-hmm. when, when we let you know what's going on, you got to take it at face value that we're telling you what is, what is true and correct. And in some cases we've, we found that in, in local doctors or regional doctors and thank goodness for telemedicine, because now we have uh, <laughs> doctors who are on the West coast. We have, mm-hmm. we have them uh, who are a couple States away that we can't go visit in person anymore that type of stuff. And so it's been very good to be able to assemble a group that helps in, in that fashion. Um, so that's very good for the, for the, um, for the medical treatment and all of the things that have to do with, um, with the physiology of our child. But we have learned so much about what we can do at home that our home team is it's like 99% of, of the, the effort, right? Because we're only with those other doctors just a few hours out of the year when you add it up, at least these days since the in-person stuff has stopped. And so having, having the, the brothers and the sister, mom and dad in, in, in the house doing, the, uh, doing the, the therapies and the things that will help and, and making sure that the diet is, which is extremely, fairly strict, uh, is exactly right. Mm -hmm. And that the supplements and the medications and things like that are right. And that, you know, the sleeping and everything is right. And so Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a huge team effort and the bulk of it is here inside of our house and is provided by Katie and I, Mm -hmm. uh, but we have, we have day job type stuff too. So the other kids are are the ones who are pitching in. They love to. They and, just adore him. And they do a fantastic job oh, of it, right? Yeah. They don't have to. They just do it because they want to. And it's beautiful. Their bonds with him are so close because of it. Oh, yeah. It's very sweet. So we have found community-wise, though, that it can be very challenging when you have a special needs child who doesn't have typical behaviors. Um, you know, the friends that we have that are so close to us, Many of them we actually made before he started presenting a lot of his problems and they have been on this journey with us and we were just simply blessed mm-hmm. to have them. Um, you know, if we were still military and moving around a lot, um, I believe very strongly that we are to be advocates for the special needs community as a whole. And so I would not shy away, but in the community, I have had times where I really have had to be a gentle advocate and really kindly and gently approach people who are making nasty comments or, um, you know, of course in a safe location, never alone, (laughs) always in the public, but, um, you know, and discuss it with them and apologize for the discomfort we may be bringing them, but explain to them that it's also uncomfortable for our son to be in this environment and that we're doing the best we can. And I've never ended one of those conversations with um, any kind of a bad feeling. It's always been very positive, but you know, it can be harder once you do have that special needs child who acts differently to create a large community. It's something I think um, special needs people have to focus on and actually do intentionally. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, and we have to do quite a few things intentionally because the the day-to-day stuff or the week-to-week stuff, uh, sometimes it goes away once you have a special needs kid at home. Like, uh, for instance, we had to figure out how how is our family going to attend church services uh, with a young kid who couldn't hold still and be quiet. Uh, so well, he shrieks also. Right. Well, mm-hmm. so that's so so that creates a, a tricky problem because you can't have a, a son like ours in the um, in the nursery, yeah. right? Because of the compromised immunity and and stuff like that. So we wouldn't take that risk and so we figured out well i'll take one or two of the kids with me to church and then i'll get back in time for katie to pick up the second service (laughs) and then that way somebody an adult's always home with our son and everybody gets their chance to cycle through and and do that but you know you have to do that for everything and for a long you know you have to do it uh for many things we tried going to a museum uh there in philadelphia when um, it was around Independence Day, it was a bad and, idea. <laughs> and wow, talk about a kid enjoying having this massive echo chamber because he would <laughs> thought he's going to shatter some of the glass there. And yeah. so you know, we're like, okay, well, we we left quickly. <laughs> sorry, sorry, we're leaving. We're leaving. We didn't we didn't think it would happen, but yeah, there we go. So we got to go. And uh, you know, so there's there's interruptions to stuff like that, but. Um, at the same time, we find our way around and and finding other stuff that is easily, more easily achieved um, by our family, given our circumstances and our kids, they know like we can do this instead of that and they adjust and they have a great time with it. And so they're not missing out on anything really. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the key things to being a, a family with a with someone with special needs, the adaptability that comes into life every day, the the little things that you have to do at home that, you know, nobody sees and you don't even see anymore. You know, at some point it just becomes part of your life and it's, and it's how you do it. And then, yeah, just how you go about in public and yeah, there's, there's a lot of adapting, but um, most of us are pretty resilient, I think, which Mm -hmm. is good. I think it grows that in us too. Yeah. Yeah, we learn how. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> I've had, I've had, you know, people before, especially when, you know, just say like, "Wow, I don't know how you do it," or you know, those kind of comments that I think a lot of special needs parents hear. That actually came up in a social media thing. Um, you know, I don't know how you do it. I couldn't do what you do, and and it's like, no, you would, you would, mm-hmm. you could, and you would. We all like none of us go into this having experience. Few of us do, but yeah, and then you just you figure it out, and you and you grow. That's right. And the love is there. And that's the, that's the motivator and the catalyst. And, you know, I've seen um, also, I think on social media where people would post, um, you know, it's not that special kids are given to special people. It's that special (laughs) kids create special people. Yeah, And I I agree with that. I feel like it, it grows us through these experiences. And like I said, in the beginning about our experience with our son, our firstborn who had the stroke, you know, everyone would think, oh my gosh, that's horrible. That's an awful experience. And, and it was, it was really hard. But when we look back over the course of, you know, the challenges we've had with all five of our kids, and especially with the ones who have the significant special needs, we still wouldn't change it because of the lessons that we've learned and the richness that they've brought into our lives through having to go through that. Absolutely. 
Well, you know, and and the kids, they know it too. They very, very keenly feel and and can sense things that are in a much greater way than than we can. And and so our child, even though he is nonverbal uh, by normal standards, can communicate to us when he feels like he's been slighted. Yeah. Right. And so he knows because, uh, you know, before before coronavirus, uh, if folks would come to the house, he would he would go to them and he'd want to be picked up and he would stare so deeply into their eyes that the person just felt like, wow, he's, he's reading into my soul. And he probably was. was. And, uh, (laughs) but, and the ones who, who liked it, the ones who were like, okay, here's, here's a kid. He's not going to say anything, but he's looking at me. And in a sense, it's like he's communicating and they walk away changed. And, uh, but for those who, who don't really like that and, uh, who think differently in, in a bad way, kid can mm-hmm. pick up on that mm-hmm. the kid knows that um he would ignore him the next time he saw him too yeah yeah or he would communicate with us that yeah he he did not like um the way that person thought about him. he mm. yeah would say. and you're talking about a kid who was at the time probably four maybe five years old right but but had that depth of being able to grasp that and communicate that to us Wow. Yeah, so it's kind of a two-way street in, in that sense that, uh, you know, they're very loving, our, our kids are very loving, and they deserve to be loved equally. Yeah. And when they're not, they feel it, you know, that, that hurt or rejection is perhaps amplified for them. Mm. So true. And good, uh, it's, you know, important for everybody to, to know that and to recognize that, you know, you, you always got to come from a place of kindness because maybe the person <clears throat> can't express themselves in the way that you are used to, but doesn't mean they don't feel anything. Oh, yeah. They so, don't feel like you do. So, so for the parents, it's, it's an, an additional thing. That's an additional burden because on the one hand you have the, uh, the difficulty, let's say of, of managing the additional needs of, that particular child with uh, maybe it's medical appointments or things that you have to do in the home. It's the additional um, medical costs, the financial costs that are not covered by insurance and things like that. So you have that, you have the, um, you know, the weight of the prognosis maybe hanging over here, but then you also have to be an ambassador for, for your child, all special needs kids uh, to the, community of people who have developed typically right mm-hmm. and so it's like you're always working <laughs> you're working in the home you're working out of the home mm-hmm. uh in order to to share to connect people to help people to understand and um, to help your child well thank you so much for sharing with us about your son and, and part of your personal story i really appreciate that and um i would love to talk a bit about your podcast we have generationally minded and actually what we just launched, it's sort of a, um, part two is called family success secrets and it's for all families and it features a lot of special needs families and people who 
also have grown up with special needs. So um, this week's episode featured a precious woman who you will just love, love her episode, but she grew up with dwarfism. And so she was able to discuss with us her experience growing up with dwarfism and, you know, what challenges that presented for her and um, just what benefits that that also brought to her life. And um, we've interviewed, it's not released yet, but a, a lady who was born with cerebral palsy. She's brilliant. She's, she um, has her own writing business that she helps people and she helps people get jobs and she's a 95% success rate in helping people who can't get jobs, get jobs. And, <laughs> you know, we, um, and we also bring on guests who will teach things like organization and um, wealth creation, and nutrition, and, mm-hmm. things like that. Nutrition. Yeah. So generationally minded is still out there. Um, we have to decide what we're going to do with that podcast. That was very specific to the special needs community. Um, but what we realized was that everything that we all learn in the special needs world are things that we need to share. These mm-hmm. are beautiful beautiful, hard-earned lessons. And so we opened the aperture a bit for this next podcast to to reach out to all families and hoping that everyone most likely knows a family who has special needs. And so we're hoping the word will travel so that all special needs families will hear about it. And so by drawing all families, we think it will hopefully reach more special needs families because special needs families are our calling and our passion. Mm-hmm. Right. So in a sense, we've taken everything that we've learned as a special needs family, and we are presenting that to all families for their benefit. And a lot of the guests that we have uh, will either have a special needs background or they will have some sort of background uh, and professional expertise that they can share that benefits all families and benefits especially uh, the special needs families. So every Wednesday is when our podcast airs on Apple Podcasts. I think you can find it on a few other outlets Mm -hmm. as well. But the idea there is that if we share with a wider audience that it will it will reach more people it will then reach more special needs folks by word of mouth yeah and uh so the the benefit is is there for everyone who is the recipient there plus you know the special guests you know they get to share their expertise more and so they get their message out more Mm -hmm. and so uh it's pretty cool everybody wins yeah (laughs) This, this week's guest um, works for a disability inclusion company trying to help people with disabilities get jobs and uh, just have inclusion in communities. And it's really just very inspiring what most of these guests that we've been interviewing do. So we're excited to share their stories. Right. So it's been right. It's been really good in the sense that we're able to share what we've learned. They're able to share what they have learned. We're able to learn more from them yeah. so that we can share it like on on your show we can share it with people that we have uh come on later or that we meet in conversation whatever the case is so it really uh, helps to get the word the knowledge the understanding spread more evenly or even more fully yeah and the show title family success secrets is because we end every episode with a tangible actual tool some kind of a system that the guest has offered um, that worked for them so that the listeners can actually att- attempt to apply it to their life if it's something that resonates with them. A really quick win, something that can help them immediately. Yeah, so something that would help them with home organization or with 
getting picky eaters to uh, have a more nutritious diet or something that would help them with their financial planning, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. That's a great idea. Make it, yeah, like you said, make it tangible, give, give people something they can uh, take away from that and actually apply. That's yes. great. Yeah. Did you, I just wanted to ask you one last question. If you just have uh, being veteran uh, parents in the special needs world, wondering if you have any, you know, any advice, any kind of like a little gem of wisdom for new parents that are just starting on their special needs journey. Um, I'll tell you, we, we spent years in the conventional therapies, physical therapy and occupational therapy. And, uh, and Speech we, we didn't, we didn't enjoy any, any benefit from it. Um, he made no progress in five years, unfortunately. And we were doing up to nine appointments a week and everyone tried and they had good hearts and they had his best in mind. Right. But you know, finding the book, it's called what to do about your brain and your child opened our eyes to the realm of possibilities for healing a child. Now that of course is specific to somebody with a brain injury, that type of thing, but it opens your eyes to the greater awareness of there is not one size that fits all when it comes to dealing with a prognosis. Uh, There are so many ways that you can improve your child's life and whether it is through proper nutrition, right? That's contrary to the standard American diet, but it will work wonders for mm. your child and for the rest of your family for that matter. Uh, so learning things like that are really important. So the more holistic of an approach you take and the more creative you mm. are in your research and in your efforts, I think the greater the possibility of, of helping your child will be. And, and it will be a benefit for mom and dad too, because it will help you through tough times. If your uh, if your body is, is stable, right. And, and you're able to cope with uh, things like that. I mean, there, there's so many tips that we could give about grief and disappointment, uh, financial stuff and things Mm -hmm. like that. And, Okay, so that's kind of what the podcast is for. But that creativity in looking for answers is really key when it comes to dealing with that brand new diagnosis, because a lot of times what will be offered to you is it could be this or that or whatnot. And and unfortunately, I, I feel like doctors are compelled to give you the worst scenario possible, kind of to brace you for it so that you know that that's a potential outcome. But often those, those creative solutions are, are lacking. Go and find them. Yeah. So when he says, um, brain injured child, that is the name of the book, but it includes, um, people even with mild autism, down syndrome, cerebral palsy. Um, so it's a book that if your child is struggling in any way, even with ADHD or hyperactivity, it's really worth checking out. And the, the, end of our story, which is not over, but what happened when we found that book and we began um, the process of implementing the uh, what we were trained in from the same place that wrote the book was that our son who hadn't made any progress in almost five years in 10 months made a 22 month neurological leap in development, wow. which 
is nothing that should have ever happened. And according and it's nothing that would have happened had we stayed the course with what correct. we had been doing. Correct. And had we not been willing to take that leap and, you know, it was frightening, <laughs> you know, because you just you feel hopeless and, and you don't know, we've seen everything else fail, but never give up hope. And my tip too, to moms um, and dads who might be listening, you know, we're almost 17 years into this special needs life is don't let yourself be the victim. I go into a lot of these rooms on Facebook, these special needs parent rooms, because I, I want to go in to serve and to encourage and to um, just be there, you know, for these parents. And, and unfortunately, both Steve and I, we've spent a lot of time, especially over the last eight months, um, trying to be in those rooms. And sometimes we just have to kind of sit quietly after we go in there because it's almost shocking how many people don't seem to be receptive to actually taking control and writing their own story. They, it's almost like they succumbed to the stories told to them by the doctors, the prognoses. That's not a, a, a glass ball. It's not your future. And it's not written in stone. And you can, you can change it. Even if you can't change the actual diagnosis. I mean, I can't go and change my son's genetics, but I did change his neurodevelopmental abilities. I did change the quality of his life. You know, our family as a team, we made a massive impact. And even if it's not what extends his life or makes his life perfect, not that there's anything such as perfection, you know, but the ideas that we all have in our mind, it's not going to replace um, that original dream I had for him that I grieved over us losing when we got his diagnosis. But it doesn't matter. It deepened our relationships. It made much more daily beauty in all of our lives, you know, because we chose to write our own story. So I really encourage any parent out there, you know, even though you may have gotten the wind knocked out of you and been told the worst case scenario, and we had a doctor tell us, don't even try. Don't believe it. Don't do it. Write your story. You've been given a gift and look at it that way. And every day, if it takes you waking up and finding three good things that happened yesterday or that you believe are going to happen today, find them. And then with a positive mindset, set your feet down on the floor and start again and put a smile on. It'll change your whole mentality <laughs> and never give up. It's worth it. Hey everyone. I just wanted to pop in here real quick and remind you all how important it is if you love this podcast and if you want to support the work that I'm doing please subscribe to the podcast rate and review it tell your friends follow me on Instagram at walking with Freya I also have a Facebook group there's a podcast page and then there's a private group it just it all does a lot for other people finding this podcast and to show that people are listening and, and if you would like to know more about me and my writing or the work that I do or find the writing journal that I made for parents and caregivers of children with special needs called There is Joy to be Found Here. You can go to my website, annefricke.com, A-N-N-E-F-R-I-C-K-E.com, and you'll find different pages uh, about the podcast, about my writing, and you can go to my bookstore and you'll see the book There is Joy to be Found Here, a writing journal for parents of children with special needs. So thank you all for being a part of this podcast. I greatly so much appreciate you and your being here.
so thank you.